Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. We are on episode number... 37. 37. Oh, sorry. <laughs> See, we looked at one, each other. One of you was going to sing it. One of you was just like, I'm done. 37. 37 <laughs> I was going for the 37, 37, 37. That's like, <laughs> I was going to do the 37, repetition. 37. We just 37. did not match today. Oh, Thank yeah. you uh, so much for joining us. We are on chapter number six, text number seven of this beautiful book, Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, we had started off uh, with the chapter of Dhyana Yoga, which as we had said, what does Dhyana mean? Meditation, <laughs> concentration, meditation, and it's the seventh part of the eightfold process of the yoga system, which, as we said, it can be like a ladder starting off with like, OK, the beginning levels. Then we work our way up, up, up. And the seventh just behind bhakti yoga is dhyana yoga meditation. That reminded me of up, 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 up to the top. Okay, we're going to try to stay focused today. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Um, what's it called? But so yeah, all the other yoga processes, they're basically to try to control our mind, our senses. So we're not being thrashed around and governed by the mind. So basically, as we had said in the intro, it can allow us to digest and process the philosophy behind it so we can ultimately connect to our source. Yes. So bhakti yoga allows that to do that immediately. As we had said, a Krishna conscious person just immediately starts off in meditation because we're always thinking of Krishna. We're serving Krishna. We're at the very topmost of the purpose of yoga, which is union with the divine. Mm -hmm. So we can skip all those other steps because through bhakti yoga, it encapsulates them all. Dhyana yoga is meditation. So we don't have to just try to meditate to quiet the mind and then try to connect to Krishna. We're doing it. We're in total meditation and trance of Krishna through bhakti yoga. Yeah. And in the last episode, we talked a lot about controlling this monkey mind of yes. ours, right? Because mm -hmm. our mind can literally determine the quality of life that we have on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Yeah. Good things can happen if we can think positively and optimistically or even more solutions-orientedly, then it actually makes the quality of our life a lot better. But right. if we can't do that, if we go into negative spirals, we can't control our mind, then it actually really hinders our quality of life. And Krishna knows this, and he talks about the importance of making our mind our friend. Right. So then if the mind is absorbed in things that are like sense objects, things that like the cinnamon rolls or whatever, mm. then we're getting tied down to this world more mm. for us. So we're going to come back and have another life and all of that. Right. But if our mind is detached from such cinnamon rolls... Then are we gonna just say cinnamon rolls for every single episode? Whatever, whatever. It's synonymous with material desire. <laughs> so whenever we say cinnamon rolls, that's We're what it means. Material desire. Yeah. See? Okay. Well, we'll say it both. Okay. Material desire, such as cinnamon rolls. Um, <laughs> then when we are detached from. Um, Cinnamon rolls, material desires, then we can achieve liberation. Yes. Right. And I love how it's connected in the purport of text six that we did in the previous episode. It's connected to our human mission, you guys, because it says the purpose of practicing the eightfold yoga process is to control the mind in order to make it a friend in discharging the human mission. And yeah. what is the human mission? We're here for a purpose in this. We have a human body. Let's make the most of it to connect back to our ultimate source, to go back home. We're just, yeah. we're just passengers in this world. This isn't our ultimate. Let's not get too settled in here forever and ever. So we what's get our human mission? To connect, connect back to our source. Got it, got it, got it. Love Krishna's yeah. already in our hearts as Paramatma, as that other, other little flicker, the spark Sparkle. next to our soul. But he's also in a way in the spiritual sky that we want to connect back to. We want to get back home where we can reside with him eternally 
in heaven, in spirit, in the spiritual world. Yeah. And in order to do that, we have to learn how to control our false ego, right? right. And if we control our mind, we can control our false ego, which is like, you know. The thing that we think that we are. Yes. This, this exactly. fake identification with self. Right. right. The thing is sometimes it grieves, it brings us great uh, dissatisfaction yeah. because we believe we're this thing and we're actually not. We're just we're like, the soul. Man, you know? Chinese, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, all of these things that we think that we are. Yeah. Pilot, lawyer, teacher, whatever it might be. Like we identify so hard with these things and then they trigger us because we're like, if someone's like, well, you're not a teacher, like you, you know, and you're like, well, I am. And then you get all upset when you're actually just the soul. And like, we should take a step. And what was it, Shamali? We, we want to... Stim- uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> widen the gap between the stimulus and the response. There yeah. we go. There we go. I love right. that. So take a take a step back and realize you're who you are. Right. Right. And if and as we said in the previous episode, if we think all of the conflict and stuff stem from miscommunications or most of them, it's really miscommunication because the mind is identifying with the ego. That's why we we said we get so triggered. We misunderstand things so much. We live in our minds in this cage. So let's mm-hmm. just get free once and for all. And it says, connecting it back to the human mission, it says one who cannot control his mind lives always with the greatest enemy and thus his life and its mission are spoiled. Oh, yeah. that sounds bad. So on a more uplifting <laughs> note then, the real yoga practice entails as we said in the last episode meeting the paramatma having that beautiful reunion with our in our heart krishna in our heart with our eternal best friend and then we're naturally just going to want to follow his dictation and people you know all of our gurus who are so connected to krishna in their hearts their words their actions their movements they're being inspired from krishna in their hearts more and more and more because they're not being so governed by their constant annoying roommate of a mind you know yeah. wow annoying mm. roommate of a mind <laughs> yeah. yeah the monkey mind they're they're just they silence their mind and they're able to hear what is paramatma what does krishna in my heart want me to do and they're naturally following krishna I love that. And when awesome. we silence the mind, actually, like, you know, when your conscience or your gut is saying something, it's like, that's like a different feeling, right? Oh, and yeah. It can only happen when you silence the mind. Right? Yeah. Try to pay attention to the different voices. There's the mind, which is always babbling. But the, the paramatma, the soul is a, a silent voice of just yeah. deep whispers, knowing. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, is it really silent or is it like more like it's controlled? It's not like overwhelmingly loud, like peaceful. Yeah. It, well, it's I think it's that and a little quieter because you can't hear it over the jibber jabber if your mind is screaming mm. at you 24 7 that's true okay so mine like, does jibber jabber yeah yeah <laughs> all the time yeah. and so with that should it, we start text seven the invocation let us play <laughs> you are right okay oh my jnana timirandasya jnana shalakaya chakshurun militam yena tasmai shri guruve namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. Mm. As you were saying. (laughs) You know, I just want to say that in in the translation now, building off of this new chapter, the spiritual master is only able to do that, illuminate our total darkness with the torch of knowledge because they have quieted their mind. Mm -hmm. They've detached their mind from the ego and they are so connected to Krishna in their heart. And that's connecting to Krishna in our heart. It's a relationship where Krishna is so at the center. That's beautiful. I love that. All right. right. Priya, text Text seven. For one who has conquered the mind, the super soul or Krishna in our heart is already reached Mm. for he has attained tranquility. 
to such a man, happiness and distress, heat and cold, honor and dishonor are all the same. I love that. That's literally what I just said about the spiritual master. The first line, Priya, is kind of what I had said about our spiritual masters. They've conquered their mind. And they're already in tune with the super soul because their their mind is tranquil. It's yeah. not babbling at them. Guys, mm. this is a little bit harder for me. This is the second part. So to, to such a man, happiness and distress, heat and cold and honor and dishonor are <laughs> all the same. Okay, so when is yesterday in Los Angeles, it had, we had a blizzard warning, okay? And I had to spend, I went outside and literally I was in like cold, rain, wet, disgusting for like the majority of the day. And oh, no. I was miserable. Okay, mm. completely. And so like, it is hard. I think mm. this verse is a little... It's hard to practically. It's a high goal. Mm. It's a. It's it's definitely a goal. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like a very but I think like people who are in extreme weather conditions, like like drought or um, mm. tornadoes or cyclones or tsunamis or just crazy weather conditions, it's really hard to do this yeah. because that so much of your environment affects your life and your surroundings and your mind. Yeah. So mm. how do we make this practical? Mm. You know. Can I share two things? Yeah, well, one thing on just a practical level is like, okay, it doesn't mean you're not going to feel it. Of course, if it's a blizzard and we step outside, being enlightened doesn't mean like, I don't I don't feel nothing. Cold. I'm, beyond <laughs> I'm, be, I'm beyond this blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it means you're not consumed by that. Because I've said before, my spiritual yeah. master, consumed, for example. Consumed, good word. Right. My spiritual master is preparing to leave this world and he's in so, so, so much pain, but he is still fixed on Krishna. Mm. Right. And it doesn't mean he's not feeling the pain. I'm sure he's feeling the pain. He's just, I mean, he's very strong and isn't showing it, but he's fixed. He's not, it's, it's the, the sensations, the senses, the uncomfortable things in life don't totally derail me off. What's the point of all of this anyway? Right. I think someone in that position, maybe whether they're sick or where they're in a storm and they're very uncomfortable might be able to think, um, okay, um, I know this and this isn't going to last forever. Mm -hmm. I know that Krishna has my back. I just have to try my best to, to keep warm, to keep safe, to do all the things that I can do. And this right. will pass, yeah. right? So like not be like, oh, I'm miserable and I'm cold and I'm right. wet and I hit it, I hit it, I hit it. And <laughs> yeah. you know, like right. spending yeah. an hour, 30 minutes, whatever, 15 minutes just thinking that way will make you more miserable, right? Yeah. So mm. I think it's like not dwelling, not focusing, Letting it consume you, right? Mm -hmm. consume yeah, and you. to your point, like I had this moment y yesterday and I think it's important to know that the human mind can't think of two thoughts at one time. Like we literally can't think of two <laughs> things. And so like not letting something consume us is mm. very important because I was getting like, I don't know, like a latte by the marina and it was wet and cold and rainy, but I just looked out into the water and I had this moment of like, thank you, Krishna. And for that moment, I didn't think of how cold ah, it was or how rainy it was. Exactly. And I think it's about understanding that sometimes we can't control our environments, mm -hmm. right? Because we're not these controllers, but understanding that we can control our mind. And if we don't let these negative thoughts consume us and we distract us, we distract our mind with thoughts of Krishna and Krishna consciousness, it makes life a little bit right. easier. Yeah. The hard times a oh, little bit sure. easier. Can I share one little thing yeah. that happened to me in my life when we were talking about all the cold and not letting it consume us? My mind just went back to, this was December, 2017. I had just graduated and I went to live for a little bit of time in Mammoth Lakes with my dad because I love nature. And I was thinking, okay, this is the time to do that. Anyway, so I was there. He had to go to bed super early because he had an early morning job. And it was like 8.39 and I felt like I wasn't ready for bed. So I hopped in the car and I went driving around. And December in Mammoth Lakes, it's like 
I don't know. Oh, I think you've Very told cool. us this story. Yeah, yeah. I don't I remember. It before. Yeah, this, I don't do, remember. say it again anyways, but I okay. think you've told this story before. I have no before. idea. I have a on goldfish the, memory. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on the podcast or to you personally? On the podcast, but oh, it's okay. Go okay, ahead. So I, then I might, I might synthesize a little. Okay. okay. So, no, so I don't remember it, so continue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in Mammoth Lakes in December, it's super freaking cold, which is like, I don't know, close to zero degrees at this point. I remember that December. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. Fahrenheit. So <laughs> freezing. Anyway, I'm driving around uh, close to the mountains in this back area that no one's there. It was nighttime. I was seeing bajillions of stars were out and um, I wanted to continue down a path, but I thought, no, tonight, let me just stay safe. Let me stay on the path. So I turned around and I started driving home and something happened where the wheel, like, I don't know, my dad later explained the technical issue. I still to this day don't understand, but the wheel started like zoom, turning to the side and the car basically started shutting down on me. And I was in the middle of the mountains close to this Native American reservation and the car just pulled over to the side of the road and it totally just shut off. And I started trying to turn it on. I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Oh my God. I couldn't turn it on. So I ran outside and like, actually, I mean, I could to make it short, it started feeling kind of like eerily mystical. I was outside and I could see like the half moon directly in front of me. And I thought I saw a shadow and I turned around and no one was there. And like, I started getting a little freaked out. So I ran back in the car and I kept trying to turn it on. And then the gravity of the situation hit me because I realized it started getting freezing. It's like zero degrees outside. It's snowing. And I'm in the middle of a mountain and can't, I didn't, I had just, my cell phone fell in a river two days of before that. Of course it did. Anyway. Of course well, it did. Actually, I fell in the river with my cell phone. Anyway. Of course it did. That's a different story. <laughs> Point is, I was freezing. And I started realizing like, People can actually die in these situations. Like the, my dad told me about the blue death is like where you get so cold, your yeah. body starts shutting down. Mm. So I was freezing. I Wait, put, can you pause for a second? I just yeah. want to say that Shama Singita said, of course you did, because and, <laughs> and some people might not understand why you're saying that. <laughs> Shamli's prone to falling into places and injuring herself or just like losing her phone. A comical set well, of events. I don't know if fall, I thought you were going to say prone <laughs> to like accidents and bad things That's happening That's a better way of me. saying it. I don't know if I just fall. You're <laughs> right. You're right. That's so <laughs> Anyways, continue your story. I just wanted to give people have blue death context. Right, right. Okay. So point is, um, I started putting like I had towels in my backseat. I was putting them all over the windows. They were like dampening with how cold it was. I luckily I had had my duffel bag in the trunk with all of my clothes still from Santa Monica. I didn't bring it inside yet. So I started putting on like I had 10 pairs of pants on all of the clothes. And it got to the point where I I was curled up in fetal position in the back seat and I started zipping myself up in the duffel bag. I was so cold. I started thinking of like that Leo Di- uh, DiCaprio, Leonardo, what's his face again? Leonardo DiCaprio. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> that movie where he like, he's so cold and he cuts the bear open and crawls inside. So as I'm zipping myself in the duffel bag, I start crawling inside and I was just thinking like, this is like a far out movie type thing that's <laughs> happening. Anyway, I was freaking out and I started like almost hyperventilating. This was hours in. I spent all night in the back seat shaking. And this was hours in that I started thinking, if I don't control my mind, I every like every effort of like hyperventilating was taking the energy mm-hmm. out of me. And I didn't want to die. It was yeah. not, I was not ready yet. And I happened to have a Bhagavad Gita in the back seat. Oh. So I grabbed the Bhagavad Gita and I zipped the duffel back and held it right on my heart. And I held it there the entire night. And I just focused on deeply breathing and on Krishna because it got to the point where I was so cold. I felt I was shutting down and I could hardly move, oh, but I kept man. wanting to move because I didn't want to fall asleep and die. So anyway, I held on to the Gita, closed my eyes and meditated. And it made me think if I didn't have this, what would I have done in that moment? Yeah. yeah, When we were thinking about the cold and not letting it consume you, I just thought this is a practice that can help you in 
all aspects of life, whatever the situation. And so, like, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. That. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, mean, I don't remember. Beautiful. Hear- <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> hearing that before. Beautiful is the word. I mean, it's kind. Of, it had okay, a beautiful no, no, ending. Okay, beautiful ending. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, and then in you're the right, morning, right, right. my dad happened to know that when he woke up at five a.m. to go work, I was in my mind thinking, like, okay, as soon as the sun comes out, I'm gonna have to start sprinting home, and I was a long way from where I had to go. So my dad uh, remembered that I told him I'm gonna drive around this one road. So I was like there shutting down, and then I see like white lights flash, and it was my dad's headlights and he comes and opens the back door and he's like my baby what's happening and he like picks me up and I was just I could barely move how he, long were you in the car when like did eight come, hours oh oh, oh all wow night. all oh, night that's wild it was crazy and I was trying to like mentally prepare myself for when the sun comes out I'm gonna have to start running and I didn't know if I would make it back home but thank god my dad <sighs> remembered where I was Wow. wow. That's yeah. so crazy. So yeah. that's why it's so important to conquer your mind mm-hmm. and right. to practice remembering Krishna, remembering how to breathe, how to meditate, how to do all these things. Because in situations where you're in like like that, when you can think of Krishna, it's actually helpful, right? When you yeah. can think to slow down your breath, right. to calm down, to not let your mind go, oh gosh, I'm going to die. But rather instead, how can I make this moment be okay, yeah, right? right. How could you, you could have went into crazy panic attacks right. and anxiety attacks and just like like exhausted more energy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ooh, and I wow. literally felt myself shutting down. So be it that you get locked in a car or whatever adversity <laughs> life throws at you, which it will throw stuff at you. Yeah. Meditation and these practices that we're talking about are the way to help you get out of them. For one who has conquered the mind, he has attained tranquility. To such a man, happiness and distress, heat and cold, honor and dishonor are all the same. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-mm-mm. Anything else on this report, ladies? Um, Let's see. I got so consumed. Let me just say one second. My story <laughs> no, it, says, it. it says when the mind is misled mm. by the external illusory energy, one becomes entangled in material activities. So when our mind gets caught up in misled. everything. Yeah, yeah misled into... All the things that are happening, the illusion of this world, then we get more attached to things that are not useful for us, like mm-hmm. material activities. Right, yeah? right. And one last part of the purport that has come up before, but I just love it. It says the effect of controlling the mind is the one automatically wants to follow the dictation of Paramatma or Krishna in our heart. So, yeah, we just want to do that so naturally. It's a part of what we're automatically connected to, being eternal servants of Krishna. Yeah. And as soon as one's mind is controlled through one of the yoga systems or bhakti yoga, one should be considered to have already reached the destination, right? Mm. So like being able to control our mind is like a huge step. You're basically there at the destination Mm -hmm. because if you can control your mind, everything else just follows very easily. Was that the last line you read? The state is practical samadhi or? No, I read a... You said the word samadhi though, right? No. Oh my God. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So rewind. Absorption. I can say my line again if you want, Shambhali. Can you say it again? Yes. Therefore, as soon as one's mind is controlled Ah, through one of the yoga systems, one should be considered to have already reached the destination. Ah, yes. Oh, and I think after you read that in my mind, I thought, in other words, samadhi. (laughs) It was me. Never mind. No, that's nice. That's nice. Because it just shows you that, yeah, one who really is Krishna conscious, we're unaffected by then all of the dualities and these yoga systems, it allows us to reach our final destination. And and that's the what the state of samadhi is, full absorption, where uh, we're already at the final stage of the ladder. We're not thrashed around by good, bad, happiness, pain, cold, heat, because we're there. We're in total, total union with Krishna. 
Yeah. And another thing that I found interesting is this idea of like not um, such a man, happiness or distress, heat or cold or honor or dishonor, all the same. I think if you visualize it in a practical example, they're talking about a person can identify the difference between honor and dishonor, right? Right. If someone says something that would be like a dishonor to you or honor you, you could tell the difference. But a person who is controlled the mind and is practicing Krishna consciousness to such a high degree understands that honor or dishonor are just relating to the body and we're mm-hmm. not this body and yep. therefore it doesn't really matter. Yes. Right. It's a practical uh, a practical example of that is like like comments under YouTube videos and stuff, right? There's, oh, yeah. there's a couple of us that, that have, have dabbled in this social media game and like had <laughs> comments and it's like people can write good comments and people can write bad comments yeah. and like being equipoised through that so-called honor and dishonor is actually that true balance right. of equanimity. Yeah, yeah, especially if you understand that you're supposed to just do your effort and not care about the results, right? Yeah. Let's say you put out your video, it's supposed to help someone, it's supposed to do something, achieve something, but you're not attached to the results. Mm-hmm. When someone writes something down, you know, I've just done my best yes. and whatever they write yeah. is not my problem. Yeah. So you know, it's not my absolute thing ab- to dwell on. Exactly, not to dwell on, right? Yeah. And so we have our social media, our, our director of social media, Ella, who who posts a bunch. Shout of Shout out to Ella! Shout out to Ella! <laughs> um, she posts a whole bunch of stuff for us on our, our on our Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. <laughs> Modern Yogi Podcast. And Modern Yogi Podcast. Right? <laughs> subtle, subtle <laughs> product placement there. But you know what I mean? Like people, like people can write comments and be like, "Oh, those three girls, they suck." You know what I mean? Or like, you know what I mean? But the, at the end of the day we're just trying our best and no matter whether their comments are meant to honor or dishonor us we know what our intention intention but we do is. welcome you uh leaving comments to honor us that's uh, very nice no, <laughs> I actually, but we're not attached to those no no we, we look forward to comments in which you encourage others to listen because they can get something out of this right right and to interact with us with like what do you want to hear more of it's just yeah. a two-way street because oh, feedback we love uh-huh. it like we've said in the meeting we're a book club and we want to make it like not just us talking at you but this is a reciprocal two-way road so that's just kind of the medium that we can interact yep. four-way because there's oh. three of us and well, then I whoever's two-way, listening like, i was considering us a unit you guys oh, okay. four-way kind of that sounds fun <laughs> i like four-way pg-13 guys pg-13 <laughs> i didn't mean it dirty <laughs> i was more talking to shamali actually okay, oh. cool, cool. okay. <laughs> anyways so let's get back to four-way this. works all right anything so, else on text number seven i think we got text number seven text eight shamas and gita <laughs> okay <clears throat> a person is said to be established in self-realization and is called a yogi or mystic when he is fully satisfied by virtue of acquired knowledge and realization. Such a person is situated in transcendence and is fully controlled. He sees everything, whether it be pebbles, stones, or gold as the same. Wait, can you read that again? (laughs) Yes. There's three big sentences here. Okay. Okay, Let's break it down. A person is said to be established in self-realization and is called a yogi or mystic when he is fully satisfied by virtue of acquired knowledge and realization. Go. Right. So he's he's connected to something (laughs) so much greater that he doesn't need cheap external thrills to feel satisfied. I'm self-satisfied because I'm connected to Krishna, my heart, and that will give me this pleasure that you cannot even imagine. And it's Mm -hmm. a process. It doesn't mean we start meditating and bam, I'm feeling all this joy. It's a process. You're going to feel your mind pulling you in all these directions and sometimes it won't feel all that. So he's satisfied by acquiring knowledge and having realizations about this knowledge, right? Exactly. exactly. And it's not like that. You know that Sia song, Cheap Thrills? Yeah. How does it go? 
trip thrills? No. Oh my God. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know what I mean? This know. is what you said. So we're not satisfied by cheap thrills. Right. Right. Yep. Right. right. So this person is satisfied by knowledge and the realization. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next sentence. Okay. Such a person is situated in transcendence and is self-controlled. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm situated in transcendence, meaning that I am totally, I have that transcendental vision. And we describe so many, what does transcendental vision mean? I, I see everyone with equal vision. I'm equipoised. I'm, you treat everybody the same. Right. I, you understand that Krishna is the supreme and we're the soul, not the body. Right. So all aspects of my being, my mind, myself, they're situated in that transcendental perspective or beyond this material world. And then I am self-controlled. Yeah. And he sees everything, whether it be pebbles, stones, or gold, as the same. Now this line That's made me laugh one. a little because I thought if my, if like we're with someone like who's supposed to be the bread maker of the family and they bring me, I got pebbles and stones. <laughs> uh, honey, I'm not too happy with you tonight. <laughs> well, again, you know, I, I do think that this is, I don't know, maybe this is my bias, but I do think that this is a stage you reach later yeah. in life. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a long process. It's not like right now we're in our you know, work phase of life. And we try to have Krishna consciousness be a part of our lives as much as possible. But then eventually we will just have Krishna consciousness and like, so pebbles would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cause it's, yeah, it's kind of like big picture saying like money and wealth is not the ultimate. Yeah. You need to survive, but it's not the end goal. So that's why it's, it's meaningless in the bigger picture. Yeah. What do we take with us when we die? We don't take the gold. We We don't don't take the pebbles. We don't take the iPhone. We don't take the family. We don't take the bank account. We don't take any of it. So yeah. if we realize the temporary nature of our existence, realizing that we're not taking any of this stuff with us, then we realize it's not really worth a lot. We don't even take our body. Don't even take our body. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Because for yeah. all the people that are like, well, I got to take care of my body because, you know, this is me and da da da. Yeah. You don't even take it. Don't take it. It mm-hmm. just stays behind. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so the purport goes on to talk about this particular point in this text. It says, book knowledge without realization mm. of the supreme truth is useless. So it, it's making a big statement about not just knowledge, but the realization that comes behind right. it. Right? Yep, right. Not just like memorizing all the anatomy of the world, of our bodies, but understanding how it functions and the purposes and like why it's helpful and like really a deeper meaning than mm-hmm. just the facts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a kind of a story to illustrate that and I might butcher it, but it's kind of a very well-known bhakti story with the, uh, who is he? Kind of like the very simple man versus a brahmana and that uh, Lord Narada Muni, who kind of is this, he goes traveling around with his vina. He goes to visit them. <sighs> What's a vina? I, I just wanted you, you said a lot to, of things that like, were really like, hard to yeah. conceptualize. Right? Okay, yeah. I'm going to try to get the essence of the story and simplify <laughs> rather than yeah, go into yeah. all the details. But basically, there's a Brahmana who, a sage? who is a sage, a very learned yogi, and he knows everything and knows all the verses and everything, everything, everything. So in that sense, he's very well versed book knowledge wise. He has all the knowledge. And then there's a very simple man who might not know all of the texts, but he has such a big heart and a lot of love for God. So this very saintly man, this sage comes to visit both of them at separate times. And, um, oh gosh, how did the story exactly go? The gist of the story is, uh, this sage wanted to kind of see how close to the Supreme each of the, these two men were. So Krishna says, well, tell each of them, uh, what I am doing. Tell them I am stringing a needle through the eye of a, what was it? An elephant through the eye of a needle. There we go. Something like impossible. Tell them I'm doing something impossible, basically like that. So, okay. The sage goes to the Brahmana, this very learned man and tells him that. And, and the, the guy says, the Brahmana says, yeah, right. Okay. What is the Lord really doing? 
<laughs> sure. Okay. He didn't and believe him. He didn't believe him. Like the Lord could do something impossible when the Lord created everything. Right. Mm. And then the sage goes to the very simple man and tells the man that what the Lord was doing, this impossible task. And the simple man says, oh, how wonderful, my Lord. <laughs> He's just so incredible. The things he can do. And at the end, I don't remember if it was before that point or after, because I am butchering the story. But at one point then, <laughs> <laughs> the order doesn't matter. Uh, the sage tells the Brahmana that he's going to go back uh, in like, back to the Lord in, I don't know, many, many, many lives. And he basically tells the simple man that in the next life, you will be reunited with your Lord. Mm, and the because Brahmana, of his faith and love yeah, for his belief. Yeah. And yeah. his belief, yeah. And his belief. And the Brahmana couldn't believe it, but what? I, I'm a Brahmana. I'm so pure. I know all the scripture, but that's not the point. If you you have, have to be able to apply it. To apply yep. it. And it's really what's Understand in our heart. It. Yeah. And so, so here it talks about how the Bhagavad Gita is the science of Krishna consciousness, right? So like, if you want to learn about the Bhagavad Gita, you can read the Bhagavad uh, If you want to learn about the Bhagavad Gita, you can read the Bhagavad Gita. Sorry. If you want to learn about Krishna consciousness. I feel between the story that I just butchered and what you just said. I mean, hey, yeah. listen, mine was not as bad. I'm just kidding. Yours was factual too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I was trying to say, um, if you want to learn about Krishna consciousness, you will read the Bhagavad Gita, right? But yeah. it isn't just reading it and learning it and studying it. That alone isn't it, right? You also need mercy, right? Right. And so, just just how knowing. do I get some mercy? So, like, <laughs> I know a lot of people. <laughs> I know a lot of people who know every text of the Bhagavad Gita. They can recite them to you. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that person lives by that standard? Right. That they Ooh. practice and live through those principles, mm -hmm. right? And I think it matters more to know, not know everything, but practice faithfully and yes. learn as you go rather than to know all the things, as Shamali's story was saying, know all the verses and not know how to apply yeah. them or live through them. Yeah, living story. through these verses <laughs> is the most important thing, right? Because right, right. like practically we can talk about this for 75 different episodes, right? But if we're not living through this in our in entire lives, then the knowledge is useless. Yeah. Right, right. And they break it down, Priya, I think you brought up a great point that no one can become Krishna consciousness just by mundane scholarship by being the best scholarly person versed in these texts. But the next step when you said, okay, how do I get some mercy? <laughs> how do I get some mercy? <laughs> Give me the mercy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, moving on. So one must be fortunate enough to associate with a person who is in pure consciousness. And when mm. I think of that, I think of all of our gurus, or if you don't have a guru, Teachers. someone, a Teachers. teacher, a teacher can come in many forms and someone who's close to Krishna, close to God, and they have that pure consciousness. And then a Krishna conscious person who has realized knowledge, it's only by the grace of Krishna or by mercy, as Priya said, that he can be fully satisfied with pure devotional service. And I like how they use the word satisfied because we can then really almost like lift the curtain to the other realm and really taste the nectar, taste the sweetness of it. Because if we don't have Krishna's grace and Krishna's mercy, we can read these texts all we want and not gain real inside access to what it's supposed to do and transform in your heart. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's the same as any, if you put it in any other context for like life, right? If you're studying to be a doctor, you can study yeah. all the books. You can understand how the body works fully, but you're not a doctor until you put it into practice. Mm -hmm. yep. Until you gain that experience, try, fail, keep trying, figure it out and do all of that. Right. So right. for us, it's like this book, this is like we're studying to be 
yogis. We're studying to be yes. bhakti right. yogis, the modern right? Yogis. The <laughs> yeah. Modern, at the Modern Yogi Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we're studying to be this, but then we also have to practically practice it in our lives yeah. in order exactly. to actually be And that. that's a big step. We have to practically apply it and practice it because that connects kind of to one line in the purport. No one can understand the transcendental nature of the name, form, qualities, and pastimes of Krishna through materially contaminated senses. We have to purify ourselves to be able to practice or to be able to understand Krishna yeah. and the greatness of Krishna and the sweetness of Krishna. We won't be able to understand that through imperfect, unpure senses. We can begin to, but we won't really gain inner access. So uh, only when we become spiritually saturated by transcendental service to the Lord, then we're able to really understand his name, form, and qualities and pastimes because the Lord reveals it to us. So when we put a little effort, Krishna will, to the degree that we put the effort, Krishna will go revealing himself. And I think that's a very magical back and forth process, you know? Yeah. The more you practice, the more you apply it, the more you see things right. clearer. Yes. Right. There's one final line here that brings up one last point that I think is good. By transcendental knowledge, one can remain steady in his convictions, but by mere academic Ooh. knowledge, one can be easily deluded and confused by apparent contradictions. What do you mean by I that? Love That's that. a huge Explain. point. That's Explain. a huge point. So you actually talked about this a little while ago with the someone passed away at your school. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then the the faith was shaken, right? So exactly. Mm -hmm. So that might be a mere surface level contradiction when you think, how could something bad happen to good people? And because you don't have that. Uh, you're not really fixed in transcendental knowledge. Your convictions waver a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically the idea is that like, okay, if you know something, but you've never applied it, if someone questions you, you might not know right. how to respond to that, yeah. right? Because you don't like, you, you only never know, through you've it. never lived through yeah. it, right? Uh -huh. And so similarly in bhakti, you can learn this, but once you practice it and become better, then your faith and your conviction becomes stronger. Yes. If you only just know Every text of the Bhagavad Gita and someone says, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You might not know how to answer because you haven't practiced or lived it or, you know. Right. And yep. you know what it made me think of? Ages ago, we talked about this example when we were talking about Sankhya Yoga and all the analytical study and all these things. I gave an example of the honey jar. And it made me think of when we just, for example, know all the verses or analyze the honey from the outside. If someone asks us questions that we maybe haven't studied, it's like, oh, I don't know. But if you actually have experienced it and opened the honey jar and tasted the honey, the sweetness, the realizations are in your heart then. You yep. won't be so uh, shaken up by apparent contradictions that you might not understand or know. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, if mm -hmm. someone comes at you and they're like, honey is salty, you're like, <laughs> actually, it's not. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you're not shaken. <laughs> well, you know what? It might seem silly, but because you have tasted what true union or connection with Krishna is, because you've lifted the veil and tasted what's on the other side, it's true. You you're know what shaken. it tastes like. What it tastes like. Yep. You're not shaken. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know it's a silly example. But I yeah. love it. It's good. It works. It's good. We're <laughs> silly. Uh, text number nine, Shamali. All righty. Shamalasangita was like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you guys could see on our Instagram what goes on behind the scenes with the faces we make to each other. There's a lot going on here. It's a lot. Okay. This is actually one of the few that has no purport. So we'll just dissect the text. Awesome. And in case anyone forgot, there's text and then the purport is like Prabhupada's explanation of the text yeah. for anyone that doesn't have the book in front of them. So text nine, a person is considered still further advanced when he regards honest well-wishers, affectionate benefactors, the neutral, 
mediators, the envious, oh, the envious <laughs> friends and enemies, the pious and the sinners, all with an equal mind. Ooh, oh, wow. This, this one is really hard. Okay. So everyone who wishes you good and wishes you harm, you have to look at them with an equal mind. And That's tough. You know what's so crazy? This You know what this reminds me of? I watched this Daily Show episode where they talked about Facebook algorithms and social algorithms. media algorithms, social media <laughs> algorithms, and basically like how a lot of the algorithms are wired for us to hate people who who don't believe the same things as us, right? Ooh, huh. So like there's a lot of like um in if if my news feed let's say is very democratic, right? then it's going to show me more things that help me believe in democratic mm -hmm. values, but also shame and um, make uh, demonize Republican values and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's like a huge thing because all of these big social media companies, they're making money off of our anger, right? right. We get to click on more articles. We get more angry. We get yeah. more riled up. And what at the end of the day, if we're trying to be, more Christian conscious or better modern yogis, for instance, we need to understand that all of these things, all we need to look at all of these things with a neutral mind, right? Yeah. Um, something that showed up in my newsfeed today was like, Harvey Weinstein got sentenced to 16 more years in prison, which means he will face his entire life in prison. And if you don't know, Harvey Weinstein was a, a sexual predator that, in Hollywood that got caught, but he, he, mistreated women for decades right mm. and abused women and so like one can look at that and be like oh god i hate harvey and comment mean things under that and like i get it he's not a great person but we as yogis need to see everybody with an equal eye not having harboring that hate in our heart right. even though the algorithms a lot make <laughs> us do that yeah. and I, that's an important point you're saying and the bhagavad-gita is the answer to that because you might say how could you not hate someone who did horrible things mm -hmm. but that, that we are souls. So we know that the soul is pure. So we don't hate the soul. Yeah. We just don't like what they are. It's, it's not our place to judge that soul, right? right? It's not our place because that soul also has to go through its own karmic repercussions. And we're, exactly. we are not entitled to place judgment on that soul. If anything, we can look at them and say, wow, what a terrible karma they've had. Exactly. And what a terrible karma they're continue to have based yes. on their actions. Right. Mm -hmm. They've become so entangled in ignorance and passion that it led them to do unthinkable, unspeakable things. And they're going to continue suffering that they're just right. entrapping themselves further and further. Yeah. So I think, the anger sometimes comes from like where is the justice mm -hmm. that person needs to serve yep. and, and it's, it's just going to go un, unaddressed and we feel we have to police people but yep. this is such a beautiful system in place because we don't have to police anybody yeah also it's it, it comes with the idea that we think we're in control yeah, 100%. We think we're in control. We think I should do something because this person is bad. Someone should do something. This needs to be done. We are not here to judge. We are yeah. not here to do any of that. We're here to focus on our path, yeah. on our growth, on Krishna at the mm -hmm. end of the day, right? So it's really hard to let go of control because control is what makes us sometimes feel safe in this world. Yes, 100%. <laughs> it's really difficult, but it's, it's just... We got to focus on our little bubble and kind of keep growing in that yeah. and try to spread the message to other people. Yeah. And yeah. so this verse is talking about like even people who are writing, like saying good things about us and bad things, it doesn't matter. We treat them all equally. And it's like, there's this one person I follow on social media. His name is Gary V. And he talks about essentially like when someone writes a hateful comment under one of his videos, his, his first reaction is not one of anger or mm. judgment. It, it's one of compassion where it's like, oh man, I don't know what's going on 
in this person's Ooh. life to have to mm-hmm. have him or her feel these feelings of hate but I wish them love and I wish them light and That's he's yeah. compassionate yeah. towards these souls and I think that is an important thing to remember when we're dealing with well wishers or enemies or friends or uh, the sinful right everyone everything that Krishna talks about in this verse I think it's important to remember compassion towards all of these souls exactly and I think in some ways you know as we were referring to previous texts we were talking about like being equipoise or like being neutral when there's cold or like being not being faced by dualities right so when it's cold or when it's hot like it's easier to actually say okay well it's it's cold I just have to do my best to focus on me and not worried about the fact that it's cold because it's an external factor that we can't control at all but when yes. it comes to people mm-hmm. we tend to be stronger like we're not going to judge the cold no, you know, yeah. we're not going to sit here and be anything towards the cold because it's just a, a factor that's happening. And I think maybe that that idea of treating everyone equally is kind of seeing people as these uh, other dualities, right? Cold, mm. hot, whatever, all of these things. If we see people as that way, maybe we will be less affected and not. Well, be, how do you mean practically? What do you mean? Like, for example, I mean, I just think that the detached perspective that we have, like Shamali was cold and she thought, okay, it's cold. There's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. Right. right. And so, okay, well, this person considers wants to be my enemy. There's nothing I can do about that. Let me just be the best version of myself that mm-hmm. I can be. Right. right? right. Because yeah. oftentimes we can see someone who is a sinner, for example, and then be like, well, you should do better. You should do this. Like, right. It's like we feel this sort of uh, push to fix or fix tell them. or I don't know what tell the yeah, right yeah, way yeah. is. Right. But we're not trying Teach to. them. Yeah. 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 So but when it's cold, we're not worried. We're not trying to stop the cold. We're trying to focus on ourselves. Yeah. Right. So it's kind yeah. of the idea of like oh, focusing it, yeah. on yourself rather than focusing on this external thing that might be affecting us. Yes. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, no, that totally yeah. makes sense. Okay. Yeah, and I was even thinking with what, going off of what you're saying, Priya, that's such a perspective that brings peace because you know when people, and it's always going to happen, someone might do something, someone even close to you that you love that really bothers you. You can, of course, express yourself, but it's not on you to change them. It's that's between them and Krishna. Oh, between that them is and so Krishna. hard. So hard. Easier said than done. But you know, because my mind automatically goes to if, so, if I'm in like a conflict with someone, my mind starts like analyzing the situation. Okay, I want to tell them point A, point B, point C. We got to talk about this and that. <laughs> that's very you know? That's very That's you. very Shamali. Yeah, that's very Shamali. <laughs> but then, but then, I'll get to know you. That's all Shamali. Yeah. We're not making but fun then, of you. But then, but okay, even if someone doesn't dissect it to that extent, you still have a notion of what, like, I want to say something. I want to yeah, do something. Exactly. I might just like have an analytical mind that breaks it down into points but regardless of whether you do that or not you still have a notion of like I want to control this situation by saying or doing something and with this perspective in bhakti it just lets you kind of take a back seat of you know what I can still express myself but ultimately that's between them and Krishna and they're going through whatever they have to go through so even if it's someone super close to you and I do this with people like the closer they are to me the more you want to express yourself because if it's someone Mm. you don't really care about meh whatever okay I can brush it off easier true but when they're close to you, it might enrage you a little more because it's like, how can they say or do this to me or think this of me? That really bothers me. It upsets me. But I think then this allows you to take a deep breath and be like, okay, they're they're going through their process of evolving and growing and getting closer to Krishna. And that's between them and Krishna. And mm-hmm. I don't have to try to even, if a conversation is really important, Krishna will facilitate it to happen. Mm-hmm. But if not, it's okay. Yeah. It's been my experience that I had someone... Um, like a teacher in our movement, um, they were trying to engage me in some um, 
service. And what I mean by that is we're trying to create like, uh, I'm just going to make up the scenario, but we're trying to make a page where people could learn about this or that. And they were trying to engage me in that service. And I didn't have the maturity to communicate appropriately. So uh, when I didn't have the time, but I didn't know how to tell them. So I I ghosted. I never messaged Mm, them again. Like I never responded to an email and I felt so bad. And I remember the next time I saw them, I thought, oh gosh, like what are they going to think of me? How are they going to treat me? And they were so advanced, right? They're these teachers, the people that we look up to that when the person saw me, they just said, how are you doing? Like they treated me kindly and yeah. openly. As I, if you never hurt them. Or as any, if I've yeah. never done anything wrong. Yeah. And they and they just sort of encouraged me to just be a better person. And like, we're just lovely. And I think that's what we're trying to aspire for. Yeah, even the little times when people piss us off or like cut us off in traffic is like still remembering yeah. that that. We need to be compassionate. Yeah. And yeah, we're all ultimately just souls in our journey back home. Right. That's so, true. All right. And that's it? a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for <laughs> listening, everybody. We will continue next episode with chapter six, text number 10. Stay tuned. See you next time. Bye. Bye. beautiful souls if you like what you're hearing please follow us on instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the The Modern modern yogi